Please sit comfortably. So good evening everyone. Um, to give this talk a title, it's Glide and Smile. Mm -hmm. And uh, where it comes from is uh, uh, something, uh, an activity I've been doing recently which I really love and find quite a, a meditative activity is um, kayaking. And where we've moved to Lane Cove, my, I've um, got a new best friend, which is the Lane Cove River. And particularly when you go um, up into the National Park, um, it goes all the way up about a, um, an hour paddle right up through National Park, which is like the way it's always been for centuries, you know, it's natural bushland and so on. And I noticed on a... Um, uh, a website that it's a motto of kayakers to, that you glide and smile <laughs> and they said we're not like those those um, joggers who huff and puff and go past you with painful looks on their faces who glide and smile but it's a very um, meditative activity and there's a dharma point to it which we'll come to but to just take you on the, the journey to begin with um, is that where you go in in the national park there's no houses and you just paddle up this river where you can see it's all still and you see the reflections of all the banks and the trees in the river and you sort of go through all these you glide through all these twigs and leaves that are on the, the surface and it's teeming with wildlife with ducks and cockatoos and birds and so on and there's no no one out there although um, I met I met two people um, on, on this Monday morning who are also on the river and um, the first one I went up and um, there was a woman in a canoe and when I got closer it was a woman in the canoe just staying still in the middle of the river with her feet up on the canoe reading a book. <laughs> huh? and, um, and when we went past one another it's like we both mutually respected the, the space and the silence. We just smiled, we didn't say anything and we drifted past. And then the only other person I saw on the way back down um, was a, um, a, an old China, Chinese man who looked very very upright and sprightly and, and agile and he was fishing and I imagined he was an old Taoist Chinese man who was out there the way he looked and um, it brings certain reflections to it, to, no pun intended but reflections in the in the sense of um, you know <clears throat> In a city of millions of people, and there's this beautiful park, and fortunately and unfortunately, there's only three people who are out there who've chosen to enjoy the meditative beauty of that, that scenery and that experience. And, um, and the experience of paddling, do you know, you, it's like Sarsen and Kinkin, like you paddle for a while, and then you just stop, you know, in the middle of this river, and you just, just drift going nowhere, no movement, taking anything in. It's like, it's like having done kinhin, and then you, then you just sit down and you're quiet again and you're just taking it all in. So it's a very, very um, meditative um, type of experience. And, um, and in some ways you, you get a sense of um, the Aboriginal past here as well. You can imagine the experience of um, an Aboriginal man or woman paddling up there in a bark canoe and the experience would be quite similar. 
and how the river was their, their playground as well as their source of food and, and water. But when you go into an environment like that to come to the, the Dharma point of this, is that it's almost like you enter into a world of no gain and no loss. It's like, it's very different from the conceptual world where we live in where, like Instagram, you know, where people are craving likes and get upset when they don't get likes, you know, or being defriended from Facebook, you know, or working just, you know, focused on plotting the scheming to make more money, you know. And, and we all live in that world to one degree. And when you go into a natural in, environment like that, it's like it just, it's so different, it just, everything drops away. And it's kind of like it's this world of the way it's always been, things coming alive, dying, but no gain, no loss. And yet, um, in that world, there is also, you know, it's also a world of gain and loss as well, that the, the, the river can be more polluted than it was. You can get caught up in how long it's going to take you to the end and how long it's going to come to take back, you know, work out the time and things like that. So in the world of no gain and loss, there is also a world of gain and loss. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the other thing that's happening in my life as well, you know, to put the two together, and some of you may know that um, with Dinah and I having moved houses, we're trying to sell a house in North Sydney. And in the current market, there's potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, being lost off the, off the, the value of a property. Now, that's the world of gain and loss, right? Big time, right? And we all live in that world, you know, and like particularly the property market and the real estate world, it's this world of gain and loss and scheming and plotting and smoke and mirrors, you know, that we live in. And yet, within that world, which so apparently looks like the world of gain and loss, it's also the world of no gain and no loss. And, um, and a house has no value. It's just something we conceptualise and project onto it. And, the, uh, and, the, and no one owns the house. The house owns the house. Mm-hmm. And, in, and actually in, in, um, in Japan, with Zen temples, um, the temple owns the temple. No one owns the temple. Mm-hmm. The stone owns the stone. Mm-hmm. And um, so even in that world, there is, there is uh, in the world of gain and loss, there's a place where you can see there's no gain and no loss. In the world of no gain and no loss, you know, which the river exemplifies, um, there is also gain and loss. And I can imagine Thich Nhat Hanh, you know, talking to this and saying, that the world of no gain and no loss and the world of gain and loss inter are. Mm-hmm. It's not some nirvana place you go to or a samsara place, they inter are in those worlds all the time. But the river epitomises one and the real estate world epitomises <laughs> another. Mm-hmm. Now I'm also reminded um, of something in um, um, we're all aware of in, a, in Australian politics too that um, our most recent um, Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull referred to some of his predecessors as miserable, miserable ghosts, referring to Tony Abbott and Kevin Rudd. And it's kind of like a very vivid description because you could imagine these 
restless, rancorous spirits, you know, haunting the corridors of power, you know, as they're plotting and scheming against their opponents. And, it is, and, and, when, and it's a good description because to, to live in that kind of world of gain and loss, of loss of power or gain, you know, gaining of power is a miserable and miserable existence. And, and to some extent, we're all miserable, miserable ghosts, you know, when we're just caught up in the world of gain and loss, whatever that, that gain and loss is for us. And um, we are, we're like, we're like hungry ghosts that are never satisfied, no matter what we do. And um, so our challenge as Zen practitioners is not to try to get to a place of no gain and no loss and stay there, but to realise that there isn't this non-conceptual world that we experience all the time where there's no gain and no loss, and it's there right in the midst of our life of gain and loss as well, and it's not separate from it. But when we, when we see into that more empty dimension, um, there's an equanimity that we experience through the gains and losses of our life. So, in summary, um, a Zen life is to glide and smile <laughs> through the world of gain and loss. So, there's my little adventure for the day. <laughs> <laughs>